So welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and today we are incredibly blessed to have two absolutely wonderful guests with us. We have Sister Anna and we have Sister Catherine Joy from the Sisters of Life. So why don't you introduce yourselves? We're so glad to have you on this, this program. Oh, thank you, Father. It is such a gift to be with you. Yes, we are Sisters of Life. Our mission as Sisters of Life is to share about the goodness and the dignity and the sanctity of human life at all stages, that your life is good, you're irreplaceable, and God has a plan for your love. Mm-hmm. Um, Sister Anne and I have been with the community for a little over eight years. Uh, we just professed our final vows this August and are now uh, living in Denver, Colorado in our evangelization mission. Now, I had to chuckle when our producer, Matt, told me that I'd be Zooming in with a, a couple of sisters from Denver because we have sisters right here in Stamford, Connecticut, I know, where we record crazy. literally about three miles from where I'm recording. There's a group of sisters of life. <laughs> but no, we had to go to a different state halfway across the country. There <laughs> you go. Yeah. Our sisters at Villa are hosting many retreats. so <laughs> They're quite busy, I'm sure, this time of year as we are gearing up for the March for Life, which yes. is coming up next week. I'm very mm-hmm. excited. I'll be down in Washington, D.C., uh, taking a number of students from Cardinal Kung Academy. Academy, God willing. And uh, will you be there? Yes, we'll definitely be there. A, a large contingent of sisters will be there. We're hosting a, a large event, a mass and rally before the March for Life called Life Fest. It's the second annual Life Fest rally. So there'll be many of the sisters there helping to host all the pilgrims who are coming. Tell us about the Life Fest, because when I was going down in the past, the Archdiocese of Washington used to have this big youth rally at the Verizon Center, I guess it was, and 10,000 people, phenomenal, great mass. Is yours similar to that? Yeah, I mean, it just was really an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. A few sisters were were praying uh, after, you know, Roe fell and um, really just asking the Lord, okay, yeah, how do you want us to uphold life at this time? And and one of the ways that they felt inspired to do so was to host this rally. Um, so just, yeah, a new event uh, surrounding the March for Life where we can uphold and proclaim the dignity of every human person and really that each person coming received the gift of their life in a powerful way. So there's, yeah, testimonies and adoration and, yeah, music and, and the liturgy. So it's really just an opportunity for people to encounter the gift of their life through this rally. So it's a new thing. It's only the second annual, but we love it. We had a great time last year. We wanted to do it again. <laughs> Thought it was a good idea. That's great. So, how, so was it a packed house last year? How many people attended? Yeah, it was. It was at a different venue and there were about 4,000 or so people attended and that was full capacity. So we're this year at the DC Armory where max capacity is a little over 7,000. So we're, we're hoping to fill the stadium. We definitely still have spots left, but we're, we're getting close. So uh, very, yeah, very much encourage anyone listening who still wants to come. There's still spots. There's uh, definitely, and I, I believe it's a free ticket, correct? So yes, if you just register online. Yes, if you reach out to us, we'll give you the the code for the free ticket. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I won't be able to make the life fest because uh, I have to say mass at the parish uh, where we're staying down, which actually, we're staying at my sister's parish down in Laurel, Maryland. Okay, uh, which is wonderful. So good priest. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, a, that's an excellent reason not to come. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, we're very blessed with that. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your, what is your ministry out in Denver? Because I know the Sisters of Life do a large uh, number of different ministries. The ones here in Stanford do a lot of retreats. There's uh, not only post-abortive retreats, but just simply spirituality retreats for women, for men. Um, I know we've hosted some of our Cardinal Kung retreats there in the years past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so in, what do you do out in Denver? Yeah. So originally in its conception about eight years ago, um, we were invited to come out by the archdiocese to be present on college campuses and really to 
a company, uh, young men and women who are trying to navigate this culture <laughs> and how to live virtuous lives and yeah, to really meet them at a place of um, transition in their life and growth in their life and to just proclaim the gift of their life in that stage and receive them uh, as however they need, you know, just to be present to them. So that was what it was in its conception, but now um, it's kind of expanded and we've taken on all of our communities evangelization. So we coordinate all of the, the trips and speaking requests for our community. Um, we also, uh, take care of our website and our podcast, our magazine. Uh, so it's any kind of outreach that Charism uh, is called to do on a widespread scale. Uh, the sisters here in Denver uh, are part of that. That's a beautiful thing. Wow. So I'm sure you get a lot of requests to speak all over. We do. Yeah. yeah it's beautiful that so many hearts are hungry to know and to, to have spoken again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, their goodness that their life matters. We can't be told enough it's it's simple truths, but they're, yeah, our culture is telling us the exact opposite on, you know, in surround sound, loudspeaker. So yeah, to, to come back to the truth, yeah, that no one can replace you and that actually there's a facet of God's love entrusted to your heart that no one has ever been given since the foundation of the world that only you can, can give. And yeah, it's a beautiful thing to share. <laughs> that's, a, that's such a beautiful and important truth because I think sometimes... Uh, maybe the sisters of life and certainly the Catholic church as a whole gets pigeonholed and they say, well, you're only just, you only just care about ending abortion. Mm -hmm. But I know that you do a lot of holistic, like it's not just about the unborn baby. It's about the mother. It's about the broken. It's about the, you know, so many uh, avenues of life are really being very disrespected in today's culture. What, what else do you see? I mean, other than uh, abortion, what are some of the great things that you, uh, not great, but you know, some of the tragic things you see kind of denigrating and disrespecting human life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we don't live in a culture that's very conducive to life, upholding life really at any stage. And yeah, every, every person I think in, in every avenue of life needs to hear, hear that truth again. Yeah, to understand, yeah, what's going on in the heart of a pregnant woman, to be able to, to step into her shoes and to, yeah, to understand, yeah, what are, what's, on her heart, what what are the trials? What's what's assailing her, and to be with her in it, mm -hmm. um, and the same of understanding, yeah, the heart of college students, those who are yeah navigating difficult questions of yeah God's plan for life and love, mm -hmm. and sure, yeah, Pope Francis talks about a, a throwaway culture, yeah. which I'm sure you see on the front lines very much, and I certainly see it as a priest. You know, people mm -hmm. that that feel like they're expendable. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and how do you how do you address people that really feel like their life is is meaningless, worthless, or that they don't mm -hmm. feel that love of God that they that they that we preach? Mm -hmm. How do you address that? Yeah. Well, hopefully we proclaim it by our, <laughs> our love and our presence. I mean, first and foremost, it's like, yeah, we all, we're all longing to receive this truth. And so as Sisters of Life, like, you know, our prayer is the, the first way that we can um, uphold life. And we, we lay down our lives first and foremost, yeah, before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, that every person would know this. And then all of our missions flow from that. So please God, you know, <laughs> through our, our missions, but in every encounter that every person would you know, through our gaze or through our presence with them would encounter the love that they're made for. Um, and really just proclaiming truth sets hearts free, you know? So the more that we can look at someone and, and proclaim the truth of their dignity, um, that that is part of the avenue of them growing in freedom and the goodness of their life. And um, we all need to be received in vulnerability. So those who feel like, um, or have experienced offenses against, against life, um, we want to be at their service and be present to them. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you said that you start with adoration of the blessed sacrament and turn to Christ because mm -hmm. I think that's really where we're going to we're going to find our value and our dignity is looking in his eyes. Mm -hmm. 
Because if we look to the world and we expect the world to give us the dignity that we want, I think the world is always going to let us down. We're not going to find that true dignity because it's ultimately the fact that we are son, beloved sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, we first have to receive that truth from Him. And yeah, that's that's where it all flows from, is, is from His His Eucharistic heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's so easy to feel replaceable, you know, in our culture. Yeah, there's, you know, we have to do and achieve. We have to prove ourselves that if we don't, you know, if we don't make it, then there's a hundred people lined up behind us who are going to, you know, step in and take our place. And it's just not true that there's no one who can replace you in the world or God's heart. And yeah, it's just so important, especially when people have, yeah, as Sister Anne was saying, you know, they've, yeah, received an, of, an offense against their dignity, you know, that, that they've experienced, yeah, some sort of trauma in that way to be able to stand with them in that place and say, actually, you are still good even here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, a privilege yeah. of ours to accompany those who have suffered, you know, the wound of abortion because it's precisely there that the Lord's mercy desires to rush in, that there's no sin too great for his love and mercy. I'm going to ask this question, but if we need to come back to it because you need to think of one, uh, <laughs> we can. But <laughs> but I'd love to hear uh, an example of like how you've how you've seen mm-hmm. some of these people regain their dignity through the Lord and through your ministry. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure you've you've worked with you work with a lot of very sad situations in many respects. You know, women that have that have suffered the pain of abortion and women who are, who are in crisis situations. But I hope you've also seen a lot of joy that comes from the success of, wow, God's grace really did work. God's grace really did change the soul. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any come to mind now or you need to think about that, but I'd love to hear some stories. Totally. I think it's picking which one because yeah. we have so many. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. Which one would you like to tell? Do you have one on top of your head? I was thinking of Maddie. Yeah. So we have we have many stories. The first one- Tell that, us a story of Maddie, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One one story that came to my mind first is uh, a woman who had the gift of inviting into our holy respite where where women who are pregnant actually come and live with our sisters in Manhattan. And yeah, it's really like a family atmosphere. And she was preparing for the birth of her little one. And the doctors had seen some funny things on her, you know, her test results and had recommended uh, another more, uh, more risky test. And and as it often can happen with this kind of test, she went into premature labor about three months early. Mm. And the doctors said, there's nothing we can do. Like, basically, threw their hands up in the air, like, your little one is going to die in your womb. And our sisters came and were, were talking to the doctors, and they said, there's no hope here. And, and the sister said, I'm sorry, sir, but my God is a God of hope. And, and asked to basically take Maddie out of the hospital, drove her to another hospital where we know a pro-life doctor. And yeah, they they poured out so much love and care and her her little one stayed inside long enough um, and was born on, on Christmas day actually. Mm-hmm. And yeah, really is a testament to, to her love. He stayed in the hospital for about six months after that. And, wow. and every day the sisters would, you know, drive Maddie to the hospital and she spent all day there, you know, loving on him, talking to him. And it was, yeah, just such a beautiful witness of, of, yeah, the yeses of, yeah, what one yes can do and a testimony mm. of hope that, yeah, that has rippled in her life. She has, a, yeah, a beautiful son and yeah, where, the, where there was no hope. Yeah. This, this word of life was spoken of and she said yes to it. 
Yeah, and how many lives will that young man touch in his life? You know, and what a, what a ripple effect he'll have because of her yes mm-hmm. and her sacrifice, really. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm sure the easy route out was, oh well, you know, I'll just have the abortion. But but no, she's she's willing to take the sacrifice and say this life is worth it, and we'll see only in eternity how many lives were changed because of that bo- that baby was born. What a gift. Yeah, and a lot of I think some of, yeah some of the most heroic and beautiful women and testimonies that we've seen are women who are. Um, who you've been able to, yeah, really privileged to accompany in our hope and healing mission. And I mean, it's countless stories of, you know, women who haven't been to confession maybe for 40, 50, 60 years and mm-hmm. finally found the grace um, to lay down those burdens before the Lord in the sacrament. And, you know, one said that it felt like chains fell from her as soon as she mm-hmm. walked out of of that sacrament of confession. Or, you know, one sister said one time she she saw a young woman <laughs> after going to confession, went outside and started doing cartwheels on the front lawn. <laughs> oh, it was goodness. as if she was becoming a young child again, but really just this yeah, the proclamation that there is nothing yeah, too big or too great for God's mercy. And he's always about freedom and always about uh, a work of healing in our hearts. So these women, I think, especially are, are great testimonies of the power of God's love. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, some, some of the most courageous women definitely that we know. What a great gift. Oh, there's only one time in my priesthood that I've had the privilege of doing a, uh, a post-abortive healing retreat here in our diocese. And, and although it was very small in terms of numbers, I was just, I was amazed, I was humbled by the humility of these women mm-hmm. because to admit to others that, that they made this, this mistake, which has grieved them for so many years, really brought me to my knees. I thought, wow, like, I, I don't know if I'd have the courage to be able to, to say that out loud that I committed, you know, the sin of abortion. But then to find that through admitting that, through really coming to the Lord for mercy, they did receive it. And they found through a lot of tears, a lot of healing as well, naming the child. Um, you know, when you work with somebody who is in the post-abortive state, what do you say to her? How do you, how do you minister to someone like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, each woman is so unique and every woman's journey is so unique because, yeah, our hearts aren't aren't, you know, it's not one size fits all. And so our sisters who work in our Hope and Healing mission, actually, uh, they one-on-one accompany every woman who reaches out to us. And yeah, holding out to them the Lord's mercy and allowing us space. As you said, it's it's often hard for someone to to share their experience because there aren't they haven't experienced a forum where they can be received without being shamed or yeah, not being received well. And so providing a safe place and space for them to share their heart. Many times it's the very first time they've ever shared their experience and yeah, their heart in that place. And I'm and, sure sometimes it happened 20, 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. You've been carrying that burden so long. Yeah, and no one is meant to suffer alone ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody, uh, you know, just somebody who's in the world mm-hmm. who happens, a friend confides in them that they they had this happen you know, to them 20 years ago, what would, how would they, you know, be able to, what would they be able to say or do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the first response is love. Yeah. Uh, a heart like our merciful father of, like you were saying, like to reflect back the courage that it takes to even share, share that experience with a friend mm-hmm. and then to hold out to them that that's not the end of their story, that, that there is, mm. there's new life awaiting them. And yeah, they, they're always welcome to, uh, offer our contact as you yeah, had to be in touch with the sisters in our hope and healing mission. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely recommend that. So on a, on a bigger scale, if we can kind of shift gears for a moment, I know, you know, we, the world, 
the Catholic world rejoiced when Roe versus Wade fell last summer, mm-hmm. two, two summers ago at this point, actually about a year and a half ago. So what is, what is the pro-life movement looking like now? Now that kind of, uh, that was kind of like the big you know, linchpin that fell, how do, how do we continue that uh, on, the, on the grassroots level, which it looks like still many states are still very pro-abortion and you know, allowing uh, a woman to have that? What do you recommend for people on the, on the grassroots? Well, the, the battle continues. So <laughs> I think just, just to say that, that, you know, I think sometimes people felt that, you know, okay, well, once Roe has fallen, um, you know, we did it. And, um, and it was an awesome victory. And we mm-hmm. praise God to the end of the day for what he did um, at a federal level and in the country. But now really, yeah, at a, as you're saying, at a grassroots level, you know, the, mm-hmm. the battle goes on. And um, again, I think I can only, as a speak as a sister of life, that really returning to the heart of the matter, which is the sacredness of human life. And the more that we can stand before one another and proclaim the gift of every human life, no matter how vulnerable, no matter what suffering, um, what wounds they've experienced, um, the more we can proclaim that to one another, um, that's what's actually going to build a culture of life. That's actually what's going to be sustainable um, and enrich you know, our culture at a grassroots level. So I know as sisters of life, that's like our main focus is to really provide um, a space, uh, an avenue to proclaim that truth to, to souls um, so that when they enter into maybe more of a praying outside of clinics or other avenues of um, of engaging the battle in that way, that actually their hearts first and foremost have received the gift of who they are. And they're standing from that position um, before every woman who goes into those clinics. Mm-hmm. That's a great point that it's not, you know, it, it's just St. Paul tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of evil. Mm-hmm. So we have to come with grace mm-hmm. yes, because that's the only thing that's more powerful than the evil that's taking place within the abortion clinics is that grace, that love that Christ has first transformed our hearts and therefore we become beacons and carriers of that love then to the women who are going in, to the even to the clinic workers. And as you know, we've seen with the movie Unplanned and the book mm-hmm. Unplanned, yeah. you know, yeah. that no no amount of love goes unrewarded, mm-hmm. really, to continue to love a soul even when they're lost in the depths of of that error and love them into the truth. And Abby Johnson, I think, is a great example of that. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Every act of love is eternal and it's worth it. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it really starts with with our own hearts. You know, we it, it's impossible for us to authentically say, you know, to a woman who is in a, a pregnancy she wasn't expecting, like, your life is good and the life of your little one's good. It's impossible to say that if we don't first know the goodness of our own lives and that we first can look at, you know, the people in our direct vicinity, our family members, our neighbors, and to be able to say, your life is good. You know, even the people who might get under our skin, like to be able to, to look at them and it's a great exercise of heart that really can only be done, as you said, with the grace of the Lord. That's why we we always return to the sacraments, always return back to our Lord in the Eucharist, because it's really a sharing in, in His love, in His heart. Amen to that. It really is. And, and you're right, we just have to continue to love these souls. And I think it is that grassroots effort. You know, we're looking at it from perhaps a more... Um, not a 36,000-foot view, but a 10,000-foot view. The last year was the first time I got to go to the Connecticut March for Life. Mm, yes. So we went, to, we went to the D.C. one, national, but we also went to our state March for Life. Did you, were you able to do that, I guess, out in Colorado? or We both only moved to, to Colorado North? this August, so yeah. we, we hope oh, okay. to in the future. But, yeah. but I know of, of many people who went to the Connecticut March for Life and were very encouraged to see how many people actually came out to, to the state march. It's so important to... Yeah, to actually, yeah, be present on local levels, especially now that Roe has fallen. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I think the, the Connecticut March for Life was great. And a lot of local ones are, are fantastic. One thing I, I continually try to encourage for like the students here at, at Cardinal Kung is that, uh, you know, there's a lot that we can do very locally, mm-hmm. like praying outside of uh, abortion clinics, which I used to do a lot growing up. And I saw a lot of younger people doing that growing up. But I honestly haven't seen, and maybe it's just being in Connecticut, but I haven't seen a whole lot of people doing that here. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a great witness, and I've I've read some statistic that when there's people praying, there's a much less rate of uh, of people going through with the abortion. You know, whether it be grace or just the witness. Abby Johnson, yeah, Father, I love what you're saying, and she said that there's about a 75 percent, um, like no show rate when there's just even one person praying outside of the clinic. So yeah, just the power of witness, um, power of, of of presence in prayer is really yeah definitely has the capacity to to save lives and um yeah pray the rosary the chaplet uh, just to be a prayerful presence is is really important definitely yeah and you never know like yeah. what the ripple effects of that are uh we one of my favorite stories that one of our, our coworkers shared with us is she was was praying outside a clinic every Wednesday for years and years and years. And you know, it can be discouraging. You see women go in and come out and you're, you wonder, yeah, you wonder what the fruitfulness of your prayers are. You don't necessarily get to see the fruits. Mm-hmm. And a woman came to her one day and said, you don't know me, but I was here three years ago at this same clinic. And, and I went through with the abortion and I got pregnant again and I knew I never wanted to do that again. And she said there was no one in her life to support her. Everyone was telling her just to have an abortion. And she said, but I remembered that there was someone there that day who was praying outside the clinic. She said it was a Wednesday. I wonder if she'd be there. And so she returned again to the same clinic on a Wednesday and, and met our friend. And, and our friend was able to you know, accompany her and, and bring her to our, to our sisters you know, to support her in her choice of life. But it's so beautiful that you know, for three years and she would never have known the grace of her fidelity of every Wednesday going. That's a, what? That's an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just to hear that, that fidelity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's now a resource for another, for a woman who's in that crisis pregnancy situation again. Yeah. yeah. You never know so, what an act of love can do. You know, it, you might not see the fruitfulness immediately, you know, that, but yeah, it's love yeah. is always fruitful. <laughs> Amen. Amen. If it's real love, it is fruitful. Mm-hmm. Right. So tell me, what is it that drew you to the Sisters of Life as opposed to perhaps any other religious congregation? Were you involved in the pro-life movement growing up? Or what, what about the charism attracted you? I mean, I, I yes, I actually was, I mean, I was, I was definitely pro-life growing up, but, um, and prayed outside of clinics every once in a while, but I, I don't think I ever dreamed that I would be a Sister of Life. Um, but I, I remember when I met the community for the first time and just the proclamation of the sacredness of every human life, especially the most vulnerable, really drew me. I think, yeah, in college, just really faced with the culture of death in a very prominent way um, in many, yeah, in, in several different ways, but just... Uh, as the Lord loved me and proclaimed the gift of my life, I so longed to give that to other people. And it began to foster something in me that wanted to, yeah, proclaim this truth of the sacredness of every human person. So when I met the Sisters of Life, um, I knew that not only my heart was made to rest here, but but in new ways that I didn't even know, you know, were possible for me. So as you said, you know, we're more than just like a pro-life community, <laughs> but um, but it's a yeah, but but loving the most vulnerable begins with a child in the womb. And it's been such a gift to be able to stand in that place um, 
and to yeah offer support for the women and children that we serve. So yeah, I know for me, yeah, the charism really drew me um, later on in my college years. Yeah. And yeah, I would say I met the sisters for the first time on a, a bus trip actually to the March for Life. So every time around this time of year, yeah, the graces of that trip come back to me. And at that point, I had always wanted to be a doctor when I grew up. I was like set on pre-med, you know, going to be a doctor. And it was really um, encountering the sisters, yeah, and the gospel of life through them that mm. I discovered, you know, it was shown to me in a new way that there was this ache, this hurt in the, you know, this, yeah, this deep suffering in the human heart because of offenses against life and that Christ desires to speak his, his love and his mercy and his truth in that place. And it was really this like, yeah, the shift in my heart of, of feeling drawn to maybe a different sort of healing. <laughs> sure. A deeper sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's such a beautiful gift. And I'll tell you, the uh, Sisters of Life used to come to Camp Veritas, which is a Catholic summer camp in upstate New York yes. that I am still a part of. And and it, it always amazed me because, uh, first of all, the joy that they emanate, but the way in which they relate to these young people. Yeah, you know, in, in I think the young people were hungry for that message that you mentioned, you know, the message of the, their own dignity. I remember having a couple of kids, a, seven, a sixth and seventh grader named Franco and Lucas, who I brought one year, and I could never find them. And every, every time they would run off from the group, and every time I'd see them, they'd be spending time with the Sisters of Life. <laughs> and there's just something that just drew them to these beautiful sisters, because I think when you have that message that your life is valuable and you are loved, you are worthy of love, that is a, a message that all of us are hungry to hear. And I think once, you know, once that message is deeply rooted within our hearts, then abortion will heal itself in a sense, you know, because then we'll know that our life has value and even the unborn lives have incredible value. So thank you for your inc- incredible work that you continue to do on behalf of life. It's a gift. Yeah, that's, it's one of the reasons why we desire to, to host Life Fest is actually to give people a new language of, of the charism of life, of life. As you're saying, like, it's, it's actually something that we need spoken to us, spoken to each other, and yeah, to help give the pro-life movement a new language as we yeah, step forward in a, a post-Roe era, you know, to be able to, to share these truths with the yeah. whole world. So tell me about some details of the Life Fest. So it is at the DC Armory, correct? That's right. January- and it starts at is it 10 o'clock a.m.? No, so doors open at 6 a.m. And, 6 a.m.? Uh, yes, oh, sorry. much earlier. That's okay. <laughs> doors open at 6 a.m. And then at about 7, uh, mm-hmm. 7 or 7.30, um, 7 a.m., I believe. I think it's 7. 7 a.m. programming starts. Yes. So and- we have two sisters who will be emceeing. We have some testimonies. We have music by an up-and-coming uh, music group, Catholic music group called Damascus Worship. Um, Sarah Kroger is also going to be playing. We'll have some beautiful oh, nice. yeah, testimonies, um, and we'll have Eucharistic adoration. And then Mass will be uh, as well to close mm-hmm. out the event. Yes, Archbishop Laurie and Cardinal O'Malley will be with us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, wonderful. some wonderful. of the testimonies will include... Yeah, women that we've had the privilege of, of walking with who desire to share their witness to life. Um, we have Monsignor Shea coming. Um, a couple, two of our sisters who are actually twins, biological twins, and were a doctor and a lawyer before they entered. They are giving their their testimony of of how they were drawn drawn to speak wow. on behalf of life, give their lives for life. So lots Beautiful. of lots of good things in store. Lots of great things. So anybody listening, I definitely encourage you, if you're going to be down in D.C. for the March for Life, please stop by and, uh, and attend this wonderful event 
where you can just get yourself fed and come to know the love of God for you and your, the value of your life, which then will spread out in the lives that you value of the poor, the most vulnerable, the unborn, and your family and friends. So we're about out of time, but I want to thank both of you. And I do just want to make one comment that uh, I was very blessed to be chaplain of the high school that uh, Sister Catherine Joy attended. <laughs> we, we did not overlap, but I did have one of her younger sisters, Kate, uh, in my class for two years. And I took Kate down to the March for Life uh, two years running, which was such a, a great joy. And I still know her family very well. I was at her parish. So uh, it's great to see you again. Yes, I'm grateful for your fatherhood. Yeah. <laughs> Well, praise God. And I hope to see you at the March for Life. Maybe we'll run into one another down there. Yes, definitely. We'll look out for each other. Yeah. Sounds good. We our prayers, well, you, Father. You can, thank you. And prayers for you as well and your whole community. Yes, and for all of you the can find us on. <laughs> yes, <Sorry>. indeed. <laughs> you can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM and 103.9 FM and wherever you get your podcasts. So I know the Sisters of Life also have a podcast. Definitely recommend tuning into them and also tune into Restless next time. God bless. God bless.